Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hear Me See Me podcast is sponsored by Zenoti, the number one cloud software for salons and spas. Because when people feel good, they find their greatness. I am Stuart Roberts, and I'm really excited to introduce my new podcast, Hear Me See Me. It's just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. I'd had this idea after being inspired by a guy in America I'd seen cutting hair on the streets and seeing the difference it made to the guys who were there. This is more than a job. This is a calling. Hello, this is Stuart from Hear Me, See Me podcast, and today I've got the great pleasure uh, of talking to a very interesting man, um, an accomplished, accomplished athlete, Today I'm talking to Olympic medalist Anthony Agogo. How are you, sir? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Thanks for having me on the, on the podcast today. I no, appreciate mate. it. I, I, we've got to get something out of the way really quickly. I've got to say a big hello to Dave Davis, who introduced us, a long-term friend of mine, a great fitness instructor. I know you work well with him. Um, I've got to yes. say hello, but I'm going to leave it at that because that man knows far too much about me. And I've heard a couple, and I've heard a couple of stories. <laughs> they're all, I've got they're all lies. Uh, I don't know <laughs> about that. He's a lovely man, but he lies for his teeth, so we'll leave that one there. <laughs> uh, yeah, you are, mate. He's, he's, he's a legend, Dave. He's, he's an absolute legend. And he's put me in touch with a couple of his friends in the past, you being one of them, and every single person that he's introduced me to have been, have been legends in their own right. So there's a special, special group you boys have. Yeah, fantastic. So well, let's go back. So where, where was you? You were brought up in Great Yarmouth, was you? Uh, Lowestoft. Lowestoft. I was, so I was born in Great Yarmouth. Um, I was brought up in Lowestoft, a really small seaside, coastal, sleepy town. Uh, Lowestoft is uh, the tagline. When you drive into Lowestoft, the tagline is the most easterly point in the UK. That's our thing, right? We're the most easily like town in the UK. But really, what that means, it means there's a pain in the ass to get to and a pain in the ass to like leave. So yeah. people don't really go there, it's just so far. Yeah. Um, and people don't tend to leave because like leaving is is a is a big step. So um listen, you know, we had a very humble upbringing. Um mum, I've got four sisters, single parents, she raised us on her own, absolute hero. Uh, my mum is and um yeah, we had, a, we had a very, we didn't have a lot. Like, we didn't have a lot at all. We were very poor growing up, as you can expect, single parent. She worked three jobs. Um, but we had love. We all loved each other in, in our household. And I'm sure we'll, we'll come on to this later, but whilst we're talking about it, like, one of the reasons why I tried to do my bit wherever I can, any charity really, but like, you're one of what you do. I think what you do is so commendable because. As I said, we didn't have a lot growing up. We didn't. We didn't have a car <laughs> growing up. I was like, we'd, I remember being little. Like one of my earliest memories in life is walking to town. It was a thirty-minute walk yeah. from my house into town to High Street to go to uh, 
it wasn't it was Safeway. Remember Safeway, the, the supermarket, <laughs> go Safeway, and then with um, and then <laughs> it's like an old army. And also, Lois is very like even now, like it's like even now, but even more so, thirty years ago, a very white town. Like I remember when my dad like come to Lowestoft from Africa, um, like he, he was the first like real life black person like people ever seen. Like that's, that's weird. Yeah. So growing up a very, very, very like you know white and underprivileged kind of area. And there was us, we couldn't afford a car. My mum, my sister, my sister, my sister, me, my little sister. Walk upon my mum like, like like a bunch like row of ducks from town back with carrier bags. We've shopped with our shop for a week every Sunday, every every Saturday. We'd walk in and like you know <laughs> the bags are so heavy. And I was like four, what's baby? And then and, and then when like when the bags are so heavy and they cut into your wrists, <laughs> like like that. But um, but what case? What I'm saying is, um, even though we didn't have a lot, we always had a house. We always had like, a roof over our head. Yeah, and. And that is, you know, you come, you, know, you, you take it for granted because, yeah. you know, it's normal to have a house, a, a roof over your house, over your head. Yeah. But actually, it's not that normal, and it's very not normal for a lot of people, not just in the UK but around the world. And yeah. I think that's so sad. So, what you do, you know, what you do to for people, homeless people, for their self-esteem and stuff is, I think, incredible. Yeah, it, it is. It's really. Uh, I was in Leeds yesterday, and I just met some amazing people. You know. Like and and I often say to people, they say, "Is it all different wherever you go?" And it's pretty much the same. It's just different mm. accents, you know. Yeah. It's the sort it is, and you see, you meet type of the same people. Um, I met a guy Paul yesterday. He was because all straight away, you know, they're different, and he was from Harlow in Essex. So I clocked straight onto him, but uh, he was. I, I, you'll see some pictures later of him. He was such a transformation. He was cheeky, mm. but then. It's like you say, it's everyday wow. people, isn't it, in them situations. And there's more and more like it now than, than, than you would think. Yeah, yeah. But going back and, to... Uh, so, I was, I was going to say, again, like this, I'm not going to pretend I know more than I know because I don't. I just walk past somebody who's homeless and think, oh, mate, it's cold. I've got a house. I've got radiators. I've got a yeah. bed. I've got a duvet. And in the winter... It's bloody miserable. It's cold. It's not nice. In the house with radiators in the duvet. So imagine being that poor side on the street, right? Heart, it's heartbreaking, you know? And, yeah. and so when I see somebody who's, you know, and I've got some change in my pocket, I give, I give change. And yeah. as my wife and as my friend, because it's the kind of people we are. But um, what's I going to say? There's a reason I was going to say that. Um, oh, I, I, was going. I was a boxer for a long time, as you mentioned. So I've been punched in the head so many times. So throughout this next hour or so, I will start a conversation, go off on a tangent, and totally forget what I was talking about. Case in point, just then. So let's move yeah, swiftly on. <laughs> Dave will testify to what a crap fighter I was, and I took more than <laughs> I gave out. That's why I have exactly the same problem. But I, <laughs> going back to when you was you was young, what you were saying, you know, right? And that sounds, you know, like you sort of almost sounds idyllic, you know, because you're. You know, like you said, you're going out, the little ducks in a row on a, in, a, in a seaside town, a lovely sunny day. But the thing is, what about when it's pouring with rain and it's freezing cold and you've still got to go and then do that? Your mum's going to clip you around the ear if you don't come and do your bit. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. tough. You know, they, those things are tough. And they, yeah, I've come mate. across lots of single parents, you know, in what I do. And, you know, like you've got to take your hat off 
to these women and men who, who do do all of that on their own. I mean, four young kids, as you say, is no mean feat. Five. Five oh, three, Five, five, so five altogether, yeah. Yeah, sorry. So four sisters and you. Yeah. That's the same as yeah. my boy's the only one of, and four girls around him, so. Nah, mate, yeah. I feel for him. It's, it's tough. <laughs> tough. People say to me, people say, oh, and I've never understood this. Never understood it. People always say, oh, you must have been spoiled growing up. I think, what? No. Like, bullied more, right? Yeah. <laughs> spoiled? Yeah, yeah, outnumbered, bullied. Mate, there's no reason why. There's no, no, it's not obvious why I took up boxing. Yeah. <laughs> to defend yeah. myself against the sisters. Oh, them yeah, girls, and I was, them girls can be vicious, can't they? they can oh, be. mate, <laughs> vicious, spiteful, don't forget. Like, <laughs> cutting with their words. I know. Like, cutting with it, mate. But uh, and I wouldn't I wouldn't change it. But saying the idyllic thing, I mean, it's funny you say that because that's obviously when I've said that, that's the picture I painted. Mate, it was not idyllic. <laughs> it wasn't like, there's a, there's a bunch of us, there's what, well, there's six of us in a little house, two up, two down. Yeah. Um, it was hard, mate. It was, it was, it was hard. But then when you're little, you know, like, what else do you know? I saw, I saw you know, right? That's all I knew. I didn't know, like, anything other than let's be honest the poverty that we grew up in however what I'm saying is like even though we grew up poor we always had love we always had people around us always had a mum always had some sisters and we always had a roof over our heads you know we always had a duvet to go to, to, go to bed under and that's, that, that's that's the thing I mean like I think it's it's <sighs> the, the very 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 basic requirements of a human being is to go to bed knowing that they're safe yeah. you know like and, and safety is is like <laughs> I've never, I've never had my house broken into. Thankfully, I never will. Hopefully, but if that day ever happens, all of a sudden, you don't feel safe in your own house, and and, and that's bad. You, know? you always feel safe in your own home. We haven't got homes to go to, and that's uh, be awful. Yeah, I mean, I've had that. I've, I've been burgled, and um, that, it's a weird thing that I never thought of that aspect. But once it's over, you add that real threat to your security. Like you really, it it takes a long time to move on. Because it's just a thing. Someone's been in your house. But yeah, it's I like bet. A spirit. I bet. At least you've got an ass to get broken into. You know, like mm. yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, there's there's times when I meet kids and they're like they are kids. You know, to me they're kids. They're like early twenties or something, and and they're, they're you know they're living at ten. They've got nothing around them. Their family they aren't with their family. I mean that. You know, that, as you say, you realise how lucky you are with your kids, you know, that they're secure and all of those things. And as you say, security, love, warmth and food is really the, the basics of what you need. Um, yeah. And that's why we're so lucky. So uh, when, when did it first go that you, you went into boxing? When was that part of your life? I was 12 when I started boxing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I've said this quite a lot of times in my life, but there's a million things that I'm not very good at. A million things. Like, me now, like, if we have, if <laughs> if we put up a, a shelf in the house, my <laughs> yeah. wife does it. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm bad. I'm bad. <laughs> but growing up, I was always good at two things. I was always good at school in terms of it. I was, I was clever at school. Yeah. I found it quite easy. I've just got a brain, very left side dominant brain. I found like I was quite clever at school, and I was always good at sport. Like, yeah. you know, I was always I was that annoying kid at school that in year five I've never picked up a tennis racket before because I couldn't afford one. 
but in the tennis class in PE, I was beating the teacher. You know, I was, I was just, yeah. I was good at sport. And then I used swam. To, I used to hate kids like you. I used to, oh, yeah. I used to hate kids like you because everything was an effort with sport. You know, I was, I, I weren't naturally athletic, so I had to fight and fight and fight to get any these. But there's guys like you, just, you just like as you say, you pick up a racket and you beat the teacher. That's like unreal, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But you get to a level, like, uh, and I get it, because you get to a level, like, when I got to, like, the elite level in, in boxing, like, on the, on the Great Britain team, Team GB, like, I, and I was, I mean, like, I'm always my my, my hardest, my own, like, hardest critic and worst critic. Yeah. Um, but on, on the Great Britain team, I look at some of the boys, some of the talented boys on the squad, bloody hell, they're so good. But with me, like, my, my greatest thing, my greatest asset is always my work ethic. Yeah. Like I was never the biggest, never the strongest, never the fastest, never the hardest puncher. But nobody on on, on the in, in the professional camps I was in, on the GB squad, nobody worked as hard as me. And I, I've always prided myself on that because like talent will take you so far. It will take you to you know uh, and maybe you know you see, you see a lot of talented kids on the you know in the British like amateur circuit. I'll win a, a schoolboy championship or a junior ABA championship. But then you get to a level where Talent doesn't cut the mustard anymore. You've got to be tough. You've got to be fit. You've got to be strong. You've got to be yeah. determined. You've got to put that work in the gym. And you see those guys, those guys that you see at like 12, 13, 14, 15, they're, they're mustard. You think they're going to become you know, Olympic champions. They get to 17, 18, girls start coming to play, like going out, having a few beers, start coming to play. And then that's when people who maybe weren't as talented kind of catch up with, with hard work and determination and stuff. So I was always... As a kid, I was very talented, but like that was always backed up and some with my work ethic and, and my desire. Um, and you said that, like, I remember there's two lads on the squad. Well, Andrew Selby, like Andrew Selby's a flyweight Welsh lad on the GB squad, probably the most talented boxer I've ever seen. Um, it was some of the stuff he could do. Like, I watched him spar against like some elite boxers, around, like Kazakhs and Germans and Russians, and his box there is off. I'd go, how, how, I'd say, how have you done that? Like, how, how do you do that? He's like, I don't know. He had no idea. He was just so naturally gifted yeah. that he could do that. But then when he turned pro, like, you know, all that talent, you know, it's in the professional ranks. You know, it's like, it's the fights are longer. You, know, the, the, you do 10, 12, 12 rounds. Yeah. 15 back in the olden days. And like, you know, what's that phrase? It's fatigue make. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. Yeah. You know, like people can be the most talented person in the world. Yeah. But if you get taken to the trenches, all of a sudden your talent don't count for much. Then it becomes about will and desire and determination. Yeah. Um, so I always had that as well. When abundance growing up, I always had a lot of like, desire. Because I saw my mum. I saw my mum work her ass off. She was a nurse her entire life. Yeah. She was a carer. She'd, she'd come home from the nursing home and old, some old like, senile bloke would have slapped her or kicked her or punched her. Yeah, you know, yeah. because the you know, when she was a nurse, she was a psychiatric nurse, so she'd work with like the schizophrenic people who yeah. weren't in control of their, their their body, you know, their their brain, their emotions. And so I'd sit and I'd say, I've worked so 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 hard to come home and raise kids. I'm like, I don't want that for my life. I'd see her at the end of the, you know half of the month crying, how like not knowing how she's going to pay the bill for the for the rest of the month. That break my heart. Even as a kid, that break my heart. So I used to think. I'm going to work so hard at sport because that's the one thing I'm, I'm really good at. Um, so I never have to go through that myself. And I want to have a better life than my mom had and, and provide a better childhood that 
my, not my mum's one. She, my mum did an, an amazing job with what she had. You know, she raised five kids. We all turned out really well. Yeah. Um, I said earlier, like I was like clever at school. All my four sisters have got degrees. I'm the one who hasn't got a degree, and I'm the, probably the smartest one. So she's raised like five really yeah. like good kids. Um, you know, she did an amazing job. I just want more for my kids. You know, and I think that's what you, that's just natural, isn't it? You know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Anyway, I forgot I was going with that story. But yeah, growing up as a kid, started boxing at twelve, and I I remember I walked into the boxing gym the first day, and I had no idea like, if I was going to be any good or not because. It was so alien to what I'd done before. I played football to a high level. I swam at a national level. Yeah. Um, but boxing is different. And I walked in and before I even put on a glove, I walked in, I smelled the boxer gym. I saw the Hanbali pitches. I saw the boxing bags and the big, a big dustbin full of gloves. Yeah. And I just loved it. And I knew that like, whether I was good or not, this is where I was going to be. The next, the next, a big chapter. I thought, I thought actually the rest of my life, but obviously things happened and injuries happened and I had to leave. But, um, I thought for a large chunk of my life, this is me. Like, yeah. This is this is me. And I was just so happy. That unique smell of a boxing gym, isn't it? It's mm. you can't you can't bottle that. I mean, you can go all your David Lloyd's and all this, like whatever they're called, but you can't beat a grassroots like a stinky nah. gym. Nah. <laughs> nah. But don't get me wrong, I don't want my missus to smell of it. You know, no, no. <laughs> come to bed. But I love the smell. It's something yeah, like yeah. you can't. You can't and the reason I don't know if it's, the, if it's like obviously you've got the sweat you've got the like dried blood like dried blood's got a funny smell like a unique yeah. smell oh yeah the man. smell is yeah, yeah. it's, it's you, you always smell the fear when little boys coming to the gym and yeah. having to spar for the first time little girls as well now uh, yeah it's just it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing and if you don't get it if you listen to this and watching this and you've never been in the boxing gym before or you have and you think it's disgusting, which it is, you don't get it. You just don't get it. And uh, if you don't get it, you're never uh, going to get it. But if uh, you do get it, you get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. It's um, The thing is as well, it's often, like you said with boxing, you don't know how you're going to react or how you're gonna, if you're going to like it until you take that first shot on the, on the nose. I think, because mm. years ago, we, we, done, you know, we was doing karate for a long time and it weren't until we transferred to kickboxing Mm-hmm. You know, it's a non-contact. It works where you got that first smack in the nose. <laughs> and you're like, ah, oh, <laughs> this is a bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? 100%. 100%. And again, like, I, when I first went to the boxing gym, I went with a lad called Aaron Cooper, a friend of mine from, from school. We were both in year seven. And he was really talented, really good, punched hard. But he was, he was born to be a boxer. He was he was quite small. He was like, he was, well, we were kids then. He was probably like 30-odd kilos, but we were 12, 13. He had long arms. He had big gorilla arms, oh, right? His knuckles dragged on the floor. Yeah. He had a small little body and a small little head. So he's tight. He's like a gorilla. Yeah. Like, a little, like a little white gorilla. And then, so he had a small target area, but he had long arms. So he tucked up. He covered his whole body. Yeah. And he'd be the other side of the ring and throw a jab when it hit you. <laughs> and he had all the tools to be good. He just didn't have that that the one thing you need that desire you know, the, the, the bite down the gumption when it gets tough and yeah. also we didn't like getting hit and with all his skill and ability he took a punch and his arsehole went and he, he was no good so yeah. you, you're right mate like you know in football you go goal down in rugby you go try down in swimming you come second in athletics you come second or third in boxing you get punched in the face yeah. and it says a lot about a person's character mm. and that's why like you see a lot of people you know 
I remember a couple of years ago, like white collar boxing was all the way. Everyone was doing white. Oh, I'm gonna do a white collar boxing fight. And then people ask, people ask my opinion, what do I think of it? And I'd go, fair play to it, mate. If they want to, if, if they train like the necessary amount of time to make sure they're safe, because boxing is no, it's not a place for a mug. It's as you know, it's it's serious stuff. Yeah. If you train and you've got a good coach and your coach does a fair match, but it doesn't put you in somebody you know that they're doing. Yeah, I think it's a great thing because. You learn so much about yourself in a ring, in a in a, in a three two minute fight, in a six in six six minutes. You learn so much about yourself and what you do and how you react to get punched in the face in the boxing ring. I wholeheartedly believe is that's exactly how you can react in real life. Like when life punches you in the face, how you act in boxing, exact same how you can act outside. You know, yeah. and obviously when I say life, it means like you know, an illness to yourself, to a loved one, losing your job. Yeah. getting dumped by your missus or your, or your husband like yeah. when life punches you in your face how do you react yeah. and I think um, I think yeah I think I generally think Bok, everyone should have one fight just to learn yeah. you know just learn yeah. about themselves and and, uh, and just, yeah just learn about themselves really I think it's it's uh, the most amazing sport in the world it's so different training to fighting isn't it you know mm-hmm. that, that I remember the first fight I had in the ring like it I, f- I remember thinking I was really confident at doing three-minute rounds, you know. I thought, we well, three-minute round, I'm ready for it. I could do three-minute rounds. I think I was fir- that first fight with the adrenaline, with all your family out there, and you come out, yeah. 30 seconds, I thought it was the end of the round. I'd only been in there 30 seconds. Yeah. It, you, you're blowing, aren't you? <laughs> and also, man, and also, like, I like you know, our age. I mean, I'm a, I'm a young whippersnapper compared to you. <laughs> yeah, you are. You really are. <laughs> No, no, but taking the piss. But uh, but but like our generation, like when I remember my first fight, my first twenty fights, I'd walk to the boxing gym, and the old boys at the front smoking their cigars and the old dinner shows and stuff. They're smoking their cigs, cigars, and I was was twelve, walked to the ring. (coughs) So before I get in the ring, I'm coughing my guts up of matey boys fucking cigar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, (laughs) you got you got to contend with that, but the adrenaline, the nerves. You said you can you can start. And that's what's different. Again, it's different. Like you, you can play a friendly in football, you yeah. know, against a good team. And yeah, maybe maybe five, ten, fifteen percent that spice isn't quite there because it's friendly. And on match day, it's a bit more, a bit more spicy. But you basically done, you've done ninety minutes. But you can spar until you're blue in the face. Yeah. You walk in the ring on fight night. Different. It's just different. It's just yeah. all that nervous energy. You're shitting yourself. You're excited. You're a bit yeah. scared. You're worried. The gloves are smaller. It's mate, like honestly, like preparation is key to anything in life. And if you prepare incorrectly, if you let the nerves, I boxed once. I boxed in the Bay in Beijing in 2007 at the Olympic test event. So every Olympic Games, they have a test event the year before, but they basically test everything, the rings, the everything. Yeah, I boxed in Beijing 2007, and I boxed a French kid, Frenchman, and he went. He actually won a bronze in in, in those Olympics, and I I beat him. I, I, I lost the fight, but I boxed really well. Yeah. I must have beaten before I, I, I robbed by six, seven points. I boxed really, really well. Yeah. However, the, as, as back then, as 14 minute rounds back then, the first two rounds are kind of, it was neck and neck first two rounds, maybe he was just up. Last two rounds, I boxed really, really well, but I didn't get the nod. But the, thir- the first two rounds, I was so nervous to box well. I put so much pressure on myself. I was so nervous. I went to the ring. I was like, I'd use so much like energy, like just nervous energy because I wanted to box so well. 
and then that dummy, had I been more relaxed before and after, I'd have beat him easily. So yeah. that fight taught me, you know, you can't, sound silly, you can't want it too bad. Well, you can want it too bad. You can't, you, you know, you, you can want it, but if you control yourself, control the nerves. So you let, like, use the nerves. Don't let the nerves, like, use you. And, you know, each, each fight, you learn something, win or lose. And I was always quite good at, even when I, even when I won, I learn stuff. And a lot of people, when they win, they don't learn. They just, oh, I won, doesn't matter. Yeah. I always learned my lessons. And that fight, my lesson was, don't let, like, let my nerves, like, you, I think it's what Rocky says, like, like uh, called the Frankie Fear, I think Rocky Five, Frankie Fear, like, Frankie Fear is your best friend. Yeah. Like, let him, you, like, let him heighten your, sh- like, sharpen your skills rather than, like, eat away at you. So, um, yeah, mate. Is this a boxing podcast? No. Is this a boxing podcast? No. It, well, it is. Yeah. Well, I love fighting, so um, uh, so uh, yeah, I can't help but go there, you know. Oh, of course, you know. But uh, there is, you know, we'll talk about other things. But you know, <laughs> I, I've always loved fighting. Uh, I've spent the kids in inheritance on watching fighting. Uh, you know, I've been. <laughs> Good I, luck. I, I went to I went to uh, Ricky Atten, see him fight Mayweather. Oh wow! I saw Kawasaki against Jones. Um, oh, cool! And then I got into UFC, and I've I've been a. Uh, I've been all over the place to see that, you know, I met a lot of the fighters and, nice. and I, you know, and you say that, and that's the thing about this fighting spirit. I've seen guys, I mean, Uriah Faber, when he was fighting, he, he broke both his hands in the first round and it was a, it was a, a main event. So they had five rounds, five, five minute rounds mm. and he fought the rest of with his elbows and his knees. <laughs> it's literally mm. two broken hands. And then nice. you see a footballer, <laughs> Yeah. Lying on the floor, aren't they? You know, it, it's hard. Yeah. To, it's such a different thing, isn't it, to see that? Right. Disrespect that Italian fella, that Italian fella that in 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 the semi or quarterfinal oh. that may when he jumped on the floor, then they scored and they got up, but nothing happened. What a dick edge! I know. Like if he does, if his mates don't mug him off for the rest of his natural born life, yeah, for, for doing that. Then they're not mates. <laughs> like, no. oh mate, what a dick. So, there you are. You're no. right. And it's just, you know, it's it's just, yeah. I mean, that's a whole different, it's a different, different kind of ones. I think on a serious note, though, I mean, we joke about it, but on a serious note, that's no message for kids. You know, like like we say, the yeah. message, you know, the fighting message that uh, about what life is like, it carries a great message to to, to young people. But when you see, you know, like. Yeah cheating prosper you know and all those things it's yeah. not a good thing for kids to see yeah no and that Chilani that Chilani when he yanked I think he yanked Bakayo Saka back yeah. didn't he and then they went on a win and he's been like yeah something like that it's like come on mate like yeah. it's the word a better team probably deserved to win the Euros you know yeah. but don't cheat you know what I mean like I'm, yeah yeah I'm not the same and there's an, I'm all for a bit of gamesmanship and I'm going to be honest like I got done once in 2006. I got cheated once in the fight, punched the back of the head, and I really knocked my confidence. And after that, I realised that, like, that was again. I told you, I learned from all, like different situations yeah. in life, and that situation taught me that life ain't fair, mate. No, yeah. I, I, I got done badly, badly. Life ain't fair, and after that, I thought, and I never cheated, never, never, and I never did cheat, never, never cut any corners. Always did, but in when the bell goes. I've spat my gum shot out to buy a few seconds here and there when my legs are a bit wobbly. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've hit low a couple of times. If he's hit me low, I've hit him low back. Because before, I've hit low here at the back of the head. I'll just, I'll carry on boxing. It's the referee's job to say, oh, no more of that. But after a while, it's like, man, before we get hit back in the head, like, no one's there, you know, like, no one's there to protect you. 
So we get hit low, hit him back low. So you get headbutt, headbutt and back. And obviously, you know, so um, I'm all for gamesmanship, but there's, there's a fine line between gamesmanship and just pure cheating. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there were kids like, like, I remember being a kid. I remember I got told off in year five once. I was at, five, no, I was at a school football tournament and I was captain of my team. And I was spitting. I kept spitting a lot. I kept spitting like, so I'd seen Roy Keane spit on match of the day. Yeah. Like, and the team spitting. And my teacher was like, what are you doing, mate? <coughs> and spitting. I was like, I didn't I need to spit. I was just trying to, I was just doing what I saw on TV. Yeah. I got subbed off and we lost. Yeah. <laughs> that, that taught me. But yeah, kids, kids copy what they see from yeah. people they look up to. And, and fortunately or unfortunately, yeah. you know, they look up to footballers a lot. And, and sometimes they don't behave very well on and off the pitch. Oh, there's, who's that footballer? I, I kind of I, I want to punch him as soon as I see his face. Uh, Suarez, I think his name is. Oh, what people. a dickhead! He bites people, doesn't yeah. he? You think how can you yeah. bite someone more than once? How can you not be yeah. like thrown out of the sport when you bite? Yeah. I mean, you know, I'll forgive. I forgive Mike Tyson for doing it, but I won't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, I won't. Uh, well, you shouldn't have done that, should he? What am I saying? But he done, he done that. He done that because he wanted it out, didn't he? He just wanted it out. He was yeah. getting beat by him. He didn't know what to do. And yeah, that kind of added to as well. He's, he's, a, he's a natural-born killer, isn't he? He's, he's, mm. he's going to do what's got to be done in there. Yeah. I've never seen... But you're right. Suarez, little dickhead. And he's also he got done for racially abusing everywhere as well. Oh, and, yeah, and, oh, and, yeah. He, and I support Norwich. And uh, every time we played Liverpool... He banged hat tricking against us, so I kind of like him because he's actually really good. But actually, not anything like I'm, I'm, I'm the first person when I go to football. I'm the first person if if the other team's having a worldie and their star man gets subbed off, I'm the first person to stand and give them a clap. Yeah. Well, I don't mind applauding other people because like if they're good, yeah. then I'm okay. They pay for it, they're good. Yeah. But when you don't, don't be a dickhead with it as well, you know. Then yeah. like I, you know. So, um, that's a, that's, yeah, I know. That's the tagline of this. We'll put hashtag don't be a dickhead. This has been <laughs> the message of the show. Don't be a dickhead. <laughs> so, tell me about the Olympics. It must have been such a. I mean, I, I went, you know, as a spectator, and I think they've done an amazing job, London. But, uh, mm. what was it like? Oh, mate. So, <laughs> it's a weird one. I don't know if you know or not, but the Olympics to me is a real odd time for me my mum so it was it was, it was a quite a long story I'll try to kind of like you know, all right. all right. cut it down so I had the most horrific qualification process I dislocated my shoulder um, I was out for a large stretch um, I had to watch people that I've beaten on better than you know, qualified for Olympic Games my Olympic seemed all but over I had to rehab a 12 month shoulder recovery into four months so you can imagine the pain, and obviously my shot after the four months, the wash order was nowhere near ready to fight, but I had no choice but to fight. You know, they weren't going to move to the Olympics because I was injured. Um, so the pain involved, so when this, I got, I'll go back to the qualifier, I overturned the six-point deficit. So, so back when I was boxing, they've, they've changed now in amateur boxing, but back when I was boxing, to land a point, you had to, uh, there's five judges around the ring, and to score a point, you've got to land a punch, a cream punch, and three of the five judges have got to press your button within one second of each other. That's how you get a point. Um, I was six points down going to the last round in my qualifying fight against the Georgian um, because the Georgian was the guy the year before that I boxed who dislocated my shoulder. 
So I went in and had the surgery and I did rehab and put it all down down to him. So it's his fault. So um, I hate hate the man. <laughs> so uh, first two rounds, I boxed like an idiot. I lost my heads. I did the boxing. I just uh, punch up. Yeah. I was six points down going to the last round. Um, so a bit of context the previous four year Olympic cycle from Beijing to London not one person in the elite international boxing had ever overturned a three point deficit going into the last round four points was unimaginable five points impossible and I was six points down so my Olympic dreams uh, I'd gone through all the rehab everything to be basically no not on the plane or the bus to London um, I worked hard in this last round than I've ever worked my entire life. I worked so hard that I gave myself exercise in tooth asthma. So even now, when I go for a long one, I've got to take a little acidity or brown inhaler before I go. I worked that hard. Um, you know, I beat him. Overturned the sequence deficit, which no one thought I could do. I finally qualified. From that fight, my first fight, I had six weeks before the Olympic Games. Get a week off at home um, to celebrate becoming an Olympian. You know, we had and we trained up in Sheffield. The Great Britain team we trained in Sheffield, and then I went to Sheffield. We trained the Monday to Friday. Went up on a Monday, uh, did my run. Tuesday morning, had a phone call from my sister at like twenty past eight on a on a Tuesday. A bit weird. Answered it's my sister Joanne, screaming down the phone, crying her eyes out, saying, "You gotta get home now because mum, she's about to die." I've gone fuck. My mum, chef, my mum, my hero, who raised me, my sister, yeah. she had a brain aneurysm oh. uh, that morning. And was in a really, really bad way. So jumped in the car, flew home. Um, and I stayed by my mum's side for the next four weeks. Didn't do a thing. Didn't throw a punch. Didn't do a setup. Didn't do anything. Um, she like should have died that night. She had a really bad bleed in the back of her brain. And, you know, and if she was going to die, I didn't want to leave her side, you know. And I was my mum's next of kin. And I left once. I left my wife. She was my girlfriend back then, my wife now, she's in the kitchen next door. I left, there must have been a, a, a hard little B&B next to the Adam Brooks Hospital in Cambridge. And then I was there for the first nine, ten days. Then I've come home. The doctor said to me, look, we can't do anything else. Like, it's now, you know, we had like three or four surgeries in that first first week and a half. But now i just got to see what happens. Just go home. So I've gone home, right? I'll go home, 10, 11, went to my bed. I lived at home at the time. So my mum's house, without my mum there. Went home, my wife was with me, we were in bed. And on my mum's next of kin. So they, so my phone was on me all the time because if they called me to, to, to let me know anything happened, I had to answer the phone. So I'm lying there in bed, and like three o'clock in the morning, my phone rings. Adam Brooks Hospital. I go, oh my God, I'm squeezing my wife's hand. I said, Casey, I, I can't answer it. I can't answer it. I was Adam, and I was going to be the phone call saying, she just died. She helped me answer me. You okay? I've got you. So I answered the phone, said hello, and tears down my face. They said, um, they said, your mom, they had a, done a surgery like the day or two before, and something had gone wrong. There's like a really, really, really big, like, build up of pressure, my mom said. He said, we've got to do this emergency surgery, like, emergency surgery like now, otherwise you won't be here in the morning. But it's really risky. We need your permission to do it because it's, it's a risky one. I went, yeah, do, do the surgery. Just do, do, do the surgery. And I was like, oh, and my heart pumped from my chest. I got back on my car, drove back there. And I thought, I'm not leaving now. <laughs> I'm not going to leave be here any bit. So, um, yeah, and that was it. So, so after a few days, my sisters and my wife said to me, look, you've got to do a bit of the games. 
that you've worked your entire life for it. You know, they're in London, you, you can't not do it. They said, they said when mum gets better. And at this point, nobody thought she was going to get better because she was so ill all the time. But when mum gets better, she's going to feel awful knowing that you pulled out because of her. So probably guilt trip me. I said, oh. I got a choice now. If I, if I, if I don't do him, yeah. and if she does survive, she will feel awful. Yeah. If I do do him, if she doesn't survive, I'm just in the head. So anyway, so I went to Sheffield before I'll, I'll go. We had one week of training left and it was a family and friends day. So everybody else, I didn't know in the hospital but everybody else had their family and friends there and they watched them train for one last week one last day of training and then I hadn't thrown a punch hadn't done anything in a month I had one sparring session my phone was in my pocket in case they called again Yeah. I threw a sloppy jab Fred Evans slips out boom body shot break my rib oh, oh, I got through mate mate can make up this is my life this is, this is my, my life is a catalogue of these things I could honestly I could tell you some stories you'd go you'd go, well, that sounds made up. I'd go, yeah, it, it does, because yeah. it does, <laughs> but it happened. Yeah, yeah. And I've got all the medical records stuff to prove yeah. everything's happened to me. Um, so I sit on the ring apron, got through the spa, I'm sweating my tits off from the spa, or wrestling on my, on my face, and the sweat is kind of doing a bad job of masquerading my tears, so I was crying my eyes out. Yeah. I sat there, and Rob McCracken comes over to me, who's the head coach of the GB squad, he goes, mate, he went, he went, look, he said, you've got to do these limited games. He went, sometimes, he tried to give me this rousing speech and he ruined it at the beginning because I knew where it was going. He goes, sometimes in life, like, things happen, right? And you've got a choice. You either quit or you crack on. He went, I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I've always been that way, well, way inclined anyway. And he goes, on a day, because his, his lead, charge back then was Carl Foch WBC yeah. champion of the world yeah. he goes when Carl Foch fought Jean Pascal for the world title on the morning of the fight my mum collapsed he went I had to do a state of her do I take Carl through to his world title fight so I had to take Carl called Carl's now world champion and he's a millionaire and whatever I knew that Foch's mum died no, sorry, but, uh, Rob's mum died from a stroke, I think it was. So he's come over to me to tell me this thousand speech to give me like, a pick-me-up. Yeah. And the takeaway I'm taking there is, if your mum died, which means my mum's going to die. Yeah. Because that's how I, I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. And he's walked off. He must have been proud of himself for like doing this <laughs> Coach Carter-esque speech. I'm thinking, you've just put my mum in a coffin. Cheers, cheers, Rob. Fuck. <laughs> So I sat down the ring apron, right? Shut my tits off. My shoulder was dislocated, as I said. Um, I couldn't, I could barely, I could throw a straight punch, but it wasn't very hard. Rub, cuts, no hooks, I could just do that. Yeah. The whip was broken. I had tears in my Achilles tendons, which would later require me to have four surgeries and miss two years of boxing. And worst of all, I thought, my mum was going to die. I'm never going to see her again. And that was my build up. Two different games. Yeah. It was brutal. It was hard, mate. And then I went to London, had a really, really hard draw. Um, very proud of myself in the second in my second fight for the Ukrainian who was the world champion hadn't lost him over two years uh, he ran the world, world champ won the won the, the world the first Olympic qualifier I think he had six fights knocked out five smashed the Japanese guy in the final smashed smashed him to bits like like easily the best middleweight in the world nobody gave me a chance against against boxing him no, no one gave me a chance I was, I was going to beat him to the point where 
when you go to like, the Olympics and stuff and the big major tournaments, the head coach and the team manager goes to the to the draw. Everyone weighs in in the morning, the first day competition, and then the, the draw happens. We come back and the team manager and the team coach like talks with the draw and they go through the weights. You're boxing him. If you win, you're boxing him and you're boxing him and so on and so forth. They came to me. And I was the first boxer to box in London um, on the first day of competition on the first Saturday. He goes to me, uh, he goes, and, and Matt Holt, the team manager, he goes, uh, and you're boxing uh, tomorrow, as you know, against the Dominican. I said, sweet. He goes, does this. He goes, uh, and if you win, you uh, you got the Ukrainian. And I thought, you prick. Yeah. You prick. That, that, like that. that I'll, I'll never forget that, that inhale of breath. Is it just, and that, 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 I know exactly what that meant. That meant, Look at me, you've got no chance of winning this fight. Yeah. Like, even when you were fit and healthy, you wouldn't have won this fight. But at least, like, he knew I'd been through my mum, illness had come out, and the injuries. So he, that, that was a, at least you can say you're an Olympian. At least you've got the tracksuit. Yeah. And I thought, you fucking watch. You just, you, you just watch. <laughs> to be the, I beat the Dominican the day before. That's a really hard fight, actually. Really, really hard fight. Big southpaw, hit really hard. I beat him on the first day. I boxed the Ukrainian in. Obviously, I'm a bit biased, but, you know, even an unbiased person, I think, would concur. The best fight in the Olympic Games history, bar none. Yeah. Um, a banging, an unbelievable fight to the point where the final score was 18 all. I was a countback. As I said, like, when you score a point, like, yeah. your, judge, your judges have got press, uh, or judges got press uh, the button within one second, three to five judges. When there's a, a draw, a countback, it goes back to a countback. Which way do they they tally up all the points irrespective of the one second rule? So you might be a judge might see you like be watching the boxing and the punch comes in and they miss it, then they see the head go back and then they press and that might be outside the one second. Yeah. So they tally all the scores up. The final and I've boxed I've boxed my entire life, right? And I've never seen this before. Nobody ever had. No there's yeah. it's ever happened before, never in Olympic Games. The countback score it's 52-52. No. Never happened before. So the referee, there's a five-minute wait for like three hours. In the mid, in the, I was in the middle of the ring after the fight, waiting to know if I'd won or lost. And the referee has generally done this. He's gone, what do I do? I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Had, there wasn't a protocol for this because it never happened. So he went to all five judges around the ring who directed won the fight and all five judges said, said me. And I won the fight in the most unbelievable circumstances. And, and Jim Neely, the uh, the old BBC um, yeah. commentator, said the most amazing line. To put, I've got, I've got, I've got a little Jim in my garage out back, and I've got these words emblazoned on the on the on the wall. That's the most amazing line. Like, and there's a few, there's a few, and I'm I'm glad this never kind of got the not the respect, but the never hit the heights I wanted it to. Had I had the career, I thought I would have had. Yeah. These words would have been everywhere, I believe. But it's like, to me, it was a, they think it's all over. It is now. Or uh, remember the name, Wayne Rooney. Yeah. Jim Lee says, uh, he's done that at go-go. He's beat the world, world number one. Oh, my Lord, what an upset. That has to be one of the greatest performances by any British boxer in any amateur boxing ring around the world in any century. And those words, man, they make me tingle because it was. Then Richie Riddle comes in. Oh, he's done it. What an upset he's done it. I'm so proud of your son. His mum's in hospital. He did that for his mum. I'm so proud of you, Anthony. 
And I'm like, I, I get goosebumps talking about that. Yeah. And that was, and that was, that was my Olympic final for many aspects because nobody thought I was going to win when I beat him. Yeah. My next fight, I fought a German, really, really good German, really big, really tough, really strong. I beat him quite comfortably. And then my next fight was against a Brazilian. And I was better than this Brazilian to the point where the German, Ukrainian, and Dominican had all beaten that, that Brazilian, like right. that Olympic year. They'd all beaten him within those eight, previous eight months. Um, but he beat me. Brazilian beat me. And, and I was really bitter about it for a long time. I still am a little bit. I'm not really bitter. I get it now, but I was bitter about it for a long time because I was just bollocks, mate. My son got to the semi final. I was just done. I had nothing. I was running on fumes from the Ukrainian fight. You know, and just sheer desire alone took me past the German. Yeah. But Brazilian was one step too far. And there's, a bit, there's, this, there's this bit in the fight I remember. I don't remember any of it, but there's one bit in the fight I remember. I'll come out and he's coming southward. He's coming through back out. The Dominican I fought in the first fight was a bigger, better, faster, more awkward southward than the Brazilian. But as I said, I was just, I was had nothing, you know? And then, um, and then he's hit me, he finished round two, he's hit me down the pipe and I've gone down my back. And the Ukrainian I boxed was the hardest punching man on planet Earth. Oh my goodness. He hit so hard. Like he hit me so, I had my gloves on, gloves and head guard. I was talking up. He was hitting me so hard through my arms that my legs were wobbling through my arms, even though I was blocking the punch. Yeah. Mate, machine, machine, right? He punched way harder than a Brazilian, a million times harder. But this Brazilian has dropped me. And I lied there, looking up and lied, thinking, fucking hell. I mean, and I wanted the, I wanted the canvas to just engulf me. I wanted to go home. I didn't want to be there anymore because I knew I wasn't going to win because no matter how much I wanted it, I couldn't, I just had no energy. I couldn't yeah, yeah. move my feet. I couldn't punch. I couldn't slip. Yeah. I was like, I was boxed in mud. I got stuck in the mud. I just couldn't do anything. Yeah. I fucking hell. I'm not going to win. I just want to quit. And for a split second, I thought, fuck it. Referee can count me out. I'm not getting back up. I don't, I don't want to get back up. Yeah. And then I thought, my mum's nice little. Yeah. And she's, she's actually like literally fighting for her life. Yeah. I thought, how, like, how can I, how can I give up? How can I stop fighting, you know, in a boxing match? My mum's actually fighting for her life. Well, I wouldn't be a true son of hers if I just like bitched out and went out like that. So I got up. I was actually really proud of this moment. I, I didn't. I didn't want to. I got up. I was fucking okay. I'm fighting to the final bell, and I was punching. I won the last round. I was hitting him. I was punching. I was trying my little best, but it wasn't enough for anyone. And I was gutted because I've been the Japanese, the Jap, the Ukrainian that I beat. Um, who smashed a Japanese guy in the final of the world? Japanese won the gold medal, oh. and the uh, you know the Ukrainian is way better than the Japanese fighter, way better. And I beat him. And I would have smashed. I'd have, I'd have easy picked up a Japanese guy. I'd have boxed yeah. his ears off. But you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda. I was you know, yeah. I, I think under the circumstances, I've been an unbelievable job to even just get there. Let alone have the fight I had. Let alone pick up a medal. Um, so I'm proud of myself now. Yeah. But for the first four, five, six, seven, eight years after the Olympics, yeah. I, I struggled with it because I was I was bitter that people yeah. that I thought weren't as good as me won gold medals and, yeah. and earned loads of money. And I didn't earn the money or get the gold medal that I thought I should have had. But yeah. that's life, mate. You know, it's, that's life. And you've got to kind of get back up and crack on. Well, that, that, there is the message. You know, there is the message that we said about earlier that's crucial for people to learn from these things. I mean, the fact that you even, with all of that you've just said to me, that I've just, I just felt all of that, mate. And 
for you to even get there, to even to even participate with everything against you, is the win, isn't it? That is the gold yeah. uh, for people to realise that you can get through, if you can get through all of that and then still get there, you know, and there is a point where you at that when you're in the mud because, you know, but there again, and I actually have been on the canvas and I <laughs> I know that feeling of like, fuck it, I ain't getting up. <laughs> and then there's something inside that goes, fuck it, I am getting up. <laughs> you know, yeah. like yeah. that funny thing, but deep down you think, oh no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pretend I'm out. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretend I've broken my ankle or something. Yeah, but uh, you're right, mate. It's, it's, it's the why, you know, it's like, it's your why, why. Is are you going to get back up? Like, why? I think we've all, we've all got a why. And if you've got a strong why, it gets us through certain things, which otherwise we didn't, we wouldn't have if we didn't have a why. And my why was I've got to make my mum proud and I've got to come out fighting because she's fighting. And that's why I got up and I, and I tried my best. And what's my um, like? Teresa. Oh, and the best thing is so I've gone home and she had many, many more operations and, you know, it's been nine years on, but she's still here today. She's still alive. Touch wood. Yeah. Still doing really well, still alive, which is the most amazing thing. You know, obviously, she has issues now which she didn't have before. But yeah. as I said, mate, I've, I've been with her to to appointments and stuff where doctors have said to me, "Look, it's an actual miracle she's still alive." Because yeah. and one of those ones were like, so uh, June 2012 her aneurysm, and prior to that, I'd never I knew what an aneurysm was, but I didn't know anybody who had one. Yeah. No, I didn't. You know, but now since she had one. I'm way more aware of it, and I know lots of people have had them, and so many people, mum's age, younger than my mum, a lot younger than mum actually, yeah, have had them, and pretty much have all died, yeah, and haven't been as bad as my mum's. So for that, I mean, you've got to be so thankful for that, you know, so thankful, yeah. uh, so sorry for those guys that have lost their lives and their people and their family that have obviously got to live now without their mums and dads and aunties and uncles and stuff. But yeah, so thankful for her still being here and. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have changed that for the world, obviously. So then I saw, oh, actually, in one day, I've got to have a, we've got to have a cup of tea with me, mum, haven't we? I'd love to meet her one day. I've, met, I've been mm. fortunate enough to meet the boss. I've met your wife now, so I know, I know who's in charge. So, but, <laughs> 100%. But I'd love to meet you one one day. She sounds an absolute diamond, you know, so uh, hopefully one day. But um, So you, you then went, obviously, when your career finished, you weren't finished. You've gone on to to wrestling. Um, yeah, well, well, so there's a big, big chunk on old breeze. It's not that, it's not that exciting. Actually, it, it is it is quite exciting. It's quite there's a lot of lessons in there, but I don't want to bore everyone with no coulda, woulda, shouldas. But I turned pro after that. I turned pro, yeah. and I thought, you know what? I'm now going to become a world champ, um, and I'm going to put because well, I had a choice to make. Actually, like I, I wasn't enough. I'm quite unique in the fact that. Most kids turn, most kids start boxing and they want to become the next Mike Tyson and then earn loads of money and, and have the belts around the waist. I wasn't bothered. Like, I actually wasn't bothered. Like, genuinely, I'd have been, there's a massive part of me and, you know, you don't know what would have happened, but there's a massive part of me. Had I won a gold medal in London, I'd have tried from boxing. I wasn't fussed about turning pro. It didn't, it didn't really appeal to me that much, really. But I was like, nah, like, there's other things I want to do. There's other things I want to do and other youth skills I want to use. I never wanted to be just a boxer. I wanted to do yeah. more stuff. Yeah. And how I always think, how am I going to top? Because when you're boxing, when you're boxing Olympic Games, everyone in Britain wants you to win because you're yeah. boxing for them. And in London, packed out, packed out Excel Arena with the flag, with the Union flag, 
I mean, you don't ever when you turn pro, now it's split, now it's divided. You know, oh. in, like, in the Olympics, everyone wanted like, Joshua to win. Now it's fighting Tyson Fury. Now it's 50 50. And yeah. it's like, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's just, I, I wasn't bothered. I wasn't, I wasn't bothered. And I had a choice to make. Do I, do I stay four more years and, and try to go to Rio? And, you know, right this wrong of not winning the gold medal in Rio? Or do I turn professional? And I had this thing like, what I had done. At this point, I had no idea if my mum was going to live or not. She was still literally touching me for months in the coma, still having surgery on her brain, like still touching go very much so. And I thought, and I'd wrap the Olympics and my mum's illness together, like they become one. Yeah. And I couldn't go through three, three and a half, four more years of, of, of boxing in Lithuania and going to you know, Iceland and these shitty little places, boxing these shitty little tournaments which people don't see to go to the Olympic Games again and then all those memories come flooding back and to have some kind of PTSD about it. I didn't, I didn't want that. So I thought, I'm going to turn pro, I'm going to change my, I'm going to reframe my goals. Now my Olympic gold medal is the world middleweight title and now I want to become Gwen's best middleweight world champion. That is my goal. And it's well attainable. Up until a point when I turned pro, we'd had three or four middleweight world champions and combined, they'd had eight successful world title defences combined. Five world champions, world title champions, with eight successful defences combined, all five. I wanted to do that on my own. I wanted to have like eight, ten world title defences of myself. That was my goal. Now I was working towards. I turned pro. The shoulder came out again in the fight of mine. You know, Jack on and won. The Achilles went. I had four surgeries on my Achilles over two years to get back in the ring. Um, and then I was on the cusp of a world title fight. Then I fractured my eye socket uh, in a fight. Had the wrong surgery. Got misdiagnosed. Ended up having nine surgeries on my on my eye over three years to try to get back in the ring. Um, and I, I had two injections in my eye, which one injection is damaged the nerve. So I'm, I'm 78% blind on my left eye now. I can't see on my left eye. So after spending a lot of money on my surgery on surgeries and stuff, I, I had to retire from boxing. You know, I was heartbroken. Thirty years old, still a young man, so much ambition and drive, desire left to left. I hadn't achieved my goals in amateur boxing or professional boxing. Mm-hmm. And now the, the the best of the vehicle, which had always had the injuries and stuff, but it always been there for me. Now it's let me down. I was like, fuck, like I, now I, now I can't be a boxer. Mm-hmm. You know. And I had to retire. And I was absolutely crestfallen, you know. But it's life, you know. <laughs> it's just like, what are you going to do? Yeah. I, sold, I, I sold for a while. I was, I was bitter more so. I was pissed off. I was angry all the time. And I thought, I don't want to be this guy. Like, this guy that's jealous of other guys because they can live out my... I'd always say, I'd always say, oh, I'm annoyed. People say to me, are you watching boxing this weekend? I go, why? So I can watch your shit back live out my dream. Yeah. I go, live out, like, like, it's like, yeah. live out my dream. It's like, and it's like, it's, but it's also their dream. No, they're, they're living out their dream. Yeah. And I was so bitter that, no, nah, I'm not watching it. And I, and I don't watch a lot now, but it's hurtful still. I'm still not quite there yet because yeah. it still breaks my heart, but I can't do what I have to do. Yeah. But I'm at a place in my life now. It's like, I'm, I'm, like, I'm cool. Like, don't get me wrong. I would love to win a gold medal or, the world title as a pro, ideally would like to have won both. And I think I had the skills and the ability and the determination to do so. It wasn't the beat. No. So I got to crack on and move on. So I had to retire. And that's when I got into wrestling. Yeah. Because 
it was much case of like, like what else do I like? <laughs> I don't even know what else I like. My, you know, from 12 years old, when I walk in the gym, as I mentioned earlier, I walk in the gym 12 years old. Uh, I walk in the boxing gym. I thought, this is me, man. This is, I'm happy here. I don't want to leave this place. This is where I'm going to be. Um, and I was now 30 and I wasn't allowed to be a boxer anymore. <laughs> I, I, I can't show the mortgage man my Olympic medal from nine years ago and say, don't charge me this month. Yeah. Because <laughs> I won a medal like, a long time ago. I've got, I've got, I've got, well, I've got a, a roof to pay for, I've got bills, I've got to eat food. Yeah. But on top of that, I've got dreams and ambitions I still want to fulfill. Yeah. And, and wrestling is the closest thing I could have found to boxing obviously very different but yeah. the closest thing I could have found to tick a lot of the boxes that boxing ticked for me and actually it doesn't take all of them because it's very different but actually it ticks other things as well ticks some boxes that boxing never ticked for me so it's a, it's, it's a great you know it's hard very tough but it's a great career change and I'm uh, as of now I'm really enjoying myself yeah well I saw I mean I saw in, in lockdown I saw that at the beginning of the lockdown as we were all getting fatter you actually was really training hard, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because you, 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 you could sort of see that you had that, your, your spark reignited because maybe it was at the end of the, the period, you know, very depressing time. Like we can get, I mean, I understand about that, that thing of um, bitterness is a real tangible depressant, you know, and we get in such a low place that uh, I've, I've had been through a lot of that myself. And you, you know, like yeah. it's, it's finding a lot of people don't get past that. See, a lot of people right. don't get beyond that depressive state, you know, they, they don't, but, but you need a new focus, you need a new goal, yeah. you, know, you know, and yours was that. And you could sort of see it start, and then the training started. And you know, you, 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 I mean, you're looking good now, my friend, but you, you, you know, you saw you, you worked really hard, didn't you, for that? Thank you, mate. Yeah, I appreciate that. Really, thank, thank you, Stuart. Um, I have worked really hard. It's been tough, but that's because that's because I didn't achieve my dreams, you know. And I've still got, I've still got so much ambition left in me. Yeah. And I, I need to dispel it, you know. And yeah. uh, and as I, all I know is working hard. That's all I know. That's all I ever saw growing up with my mom and my sisters. We had to work hard, you know. Yeah. So I've worked hard and I'm, um, you know, I, I could have picked, I, I, there are other things I could have done. Of course, yeah. I could have had more money. I've got, I could have offered, I've got offered more money to sit at a commentary desk in, in boxing yeah. and talk about boxing. What I already knew. Yeah. I know boxing inside and out. Yeah. I know what the fight is. Like I'm, I, I can talk. Um, I, that is an easy job for me to do. Yeah. But I didn't because and I got offered more money than I got offered to do the wrestling. Um, but I thought, I mean, one, I wasn't ready to. It breaks my heart, as I said, watching yeah. people box. And two, I thought, no, I don't want to. I've, I've still got things I need to do. Like, I need to, uh, I've got an itch I need to scratch. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and wrestling will do that for me. And yeah, like I said, gave me Lisa Life. Actually, my friend said to me recently, like I was talking to him, I sent him a voice message about what I was doing in America and stuff. And, you know, and he said, mate, after a real shit few years that you've had, you know, as much as anybody, he said, I'm so happy that you're, I'm so happy that you're happy again. You can hear my voice. I'm happy again, talking about what I'm doing and, yeah. and what's coming on and storylines and ideas and this and that and doing moves and stuff. So it's cool. It is cool, yeah. you know. It is really cool. And you're the, so you're the governor? I'm the governor. 
and the, and the governor, yeah. Um, I like that. Yeah. That's a good one. I think I'm the governor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, do you know what? Like, what I want to do in this, in this chapter of my life, in this chapter of my, my career, when I was boxing, I was always injured, right? So I had these big injuries and stuff, and I was the most, I was most marketable, I was most marketable, the most marketed boxer on the British circuit. So I was sponsored by Nike, Subway, Max Muscle. I did a bit of work with Coca Cola and all these real like yeah. top, top, top brand like like deals, again endorsement deals. So I had to put my best behaviour all the time because I thought, and if I was if I was boxing and winning, knock people out and doing really well then I could have been arguably relaxed because I was doing the business in the ring. Because I was injured all the time, I wasn't doing the business in the ring. I was injured. So I couldn't go on Twitter and, and call somebody out. So I couldn't just show my true personality. Yeah. I'm, an, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a nice dude, but I've got personality. Yeah. Yeah. I've got things to say. Yeah. You know, if I want to call somebody a dickhead, I'll call them a dickhead. But because I was like, oh, I can't say that because Nike might yeah. release me. And because I was injured, I needed that money to, to, to survive. Yeah, and before I knew it, my career was over, and I never actually really got to show the true British boxing fans me, you know, yeah. and which 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 I was gutted about. And even on the Great Britain team, on the GB squad, you can't. They don't really like no. personalities. So you're part of the team. GB is the thing, and you're just a good as a spoke on the wheel. Um, they don't. They want you to kind of be quite regimented, which is cool. I get it. You know, it's, yeah. that's part yeah. of it. But when you turn pro, that's when you get to show like be, be the showman. Yeah. And I'm a bit of a showman, but I never really got to got to, to be the showman. Yeah. So when I'm arrested, I'm just gonna be me. I'm just gonna be me, like unapologetically me and I'm I'm I admit I'm a bad guy yeah. uh, in wrestling. And I am being me, just a bad bit of me, which is great. I'm gonna just be a dickhead. Oh, and I go It's an all good though. That's the wonderful thing yeah. about that, that you know, that that sport is that you can have this real alter ego. And you, yeah. you have an exaggerated version. We've all got them versions in them, yeah. right? haven't we? Yeah. And, and yeah. you do get a bit sick of it, you know. Like I'm, I'm the, I'm the nice homeless guy, you know, who goes around. But I mean, I'm a dickhead. I mean, I, if yeah, you've not like, heard me, yeah. they told me, they told me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a retired dickhead. I, go, <laughs> I ain't got the energy anymore. But yeah, you know, and even my family, they go. Cool. Then people think you're so nice. They don't realise what a miserable old shit you are, you know. But, <laughs> but it's great, and you can't be one thing all the time. And you want to express that. And it, it's that great sort of, um, it, you know, it's a, a channel to to express yourself, you know. Yeah. And, and yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to see how you get on with it, you know. And uh, um, and I, I I've really got to say, I mean, now I've, I've spoken to you before, but you know. After speaking to you for this time, before we sort of finish it up, I do want to say, you know, you you are a fighter. You know, like there's there's yeah. fighters in life, there's fighters in sport, but then, you know, you're both, and, and you're a great example to people to never give up. Um, and I, I I really appreciate that in you, um, uh, and and I think it's a great. And when we're saying about kids nowadays, they need a lesson. They need a lesson in life. Um, there's too many people showing people the wrong way. And yeah. uh, it's, you're a great example of overcoming stuff. And, and you know, I appreciate that because I've had to do that a bit. And uh, so, you know, you've got my full respect, sir. Uh, 
Good Thank luck you, with mate. everything you do. Um, I'm sure we'll be in touch. Maybe maybe we'll go out for a coffee with Mr. Davis. And Sounds I'll- good, mate. Look forward to that. Here's some more stories. <laughs> I want to I see, see your face go red about when he says the one. I'm not going to say it now, but you know the one I'm talking about. Oh, right. Right. Well, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll find out what that one is. You can tell me. <laughs> anyway, sir, um, you know, really appreciate it. Good luck with everything. Cheers. Keep in touch. Cheers, Cheers, mate. Take care. All the best. Thank, Thank you. It's just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. This is more than a job, this is a calling.